Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, Sacred Icon Halo listeners. It's your boy Brian's Bane here with my buddy, Jovial Joshi. Hello. And we want to talk about the woes of game development. Um, as you guys know, Halo Infinite was supposed to be coming out relatively soon, here in the next week, and it's been delayed. You know, a lot of, a lot of different issues coming up in the year 2020, and uh, it's understandable that this game is not coming out when expected, but um, Josh and I have just been kind of trying to get a better perspective of what game development is like, and of course we're never going to be able to know what that's like fully unless we were in it ourselves, but we just kind of lean into the tools we have at our disposal disposal with like documentaries and, and different things of that nature. So uh, we've been watching things like the Halo 2 documentary that I'm sure you you all know and love. The, there's the Halo 2 anniversary documentary. Remaking the Legend. Um, remaking the Legend. We also have been recently have watched the Raising Kratos documentary on the development of the new God of War. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's very insightful. It's like two hours long. If and, not, go watch know, it. Yeah, I mean, watch it right now. It's so good. But we kind of just want to we want to lean into the idea of what developers go through and what it takes to build a game and, and make that project come to fruition. Um, so we'll, we won't talk so much about the the um, the negative sides of business. I know that businesses have their own agendas and microtransactions and stuff like that. But that's for a that's a topic for a different time. So basically, the the first thing I kind of want to talk about is how. You know, we watched that Raising Kratos documentary, and you see how the studio basically had a bunch of great games come out in a row. God of War 1, 2, 3, and then they released Ascension, which was a prequel, and that game didn't sell very well. And because of that game not selling well enough, the studio, the Santa Monica studio that makes God of War, they were in jeopardy of of being staying open as a, as a studio and having the same amount of staff. I mean, there was actually layoffs because of Ascension not selling as well. Yeah. So you see, when you watch this documentary, you see the team put in so much effort um, to to try to make this new God of War as good as it can be because the whole the whole fate of the studio kind of rests on this, you know. And it's five years of development, and you kind of see all the turmoil they go through. Uh, Josh, what what was what was something about that development that was kind of eye-opening to you? Just how much it reminded me of Halo 2's and by the extension made me realize that this is actually more common than we realize with this kind of stuff. That like, Yeah, you know, it's the norm. Yeah, like when I watched Halo 3's making of, it's it's different in its structure and how they, they tell stuff. But even though the development was a, a story in of itself for Halo 3, it wasn't anywhere near the trouble they had for Halo 2. And then you look at something like Raising Kratos, which is like almost two hours long. You know, it really makes you think, you know, how much goes on that we don't get to see at these studios. You get to see these guys show up at E3 and show off their game. You get to see the tweets. You get to see the gameplay walkthroughs, the stuff that they get that they get to put out through curating. But you don't really get to see the sort of blood, sweat, and pixels you know, going on at the studio, what these people are, are doing or going through. And you'll hear about this sometimes in articles later on, but gosh, I mean, imagine the context of these people actually showing up to work and enduring it. So when I watched the Raising Kratos one, I mean, it really took me back to the Halo 2 one. And I was thinking to myself, like, holy crap, like this is actually, this is actually super common. Like how many more stories are there like this out there that we don't know about? Like, 
I th- it made me start thinking about some of my favorite games, like KOTOR and stuff like that. And I'm like, wonder what the story was for that. Like, there had to be some trials and tribulations. Like everyone's a race against time and budget and every other thing. And it's like watching both, you know, the Halo 2 documentary and the, and the Raising Kratos documentary. It's like seeing all these people, these real humans. Like, I know... It's a common thing now for people to say, you know, there's real humans behind the scenes at these developers. We need to care about them. Like, we say that, but how much do we really realize, like, that just one person in the studio of hundreds, they have a family, they have a life, they have bills to pay, their own, you know, worries of their own, and you really see that. And it's like, how, how do you manage all this passion you have with time deadlines and um, a budget, and then you have, like, you have to make your superiors happy as well. You have to make dates and whatnot. I remember there being one point in the Racing Kratos documentary where uh, Shui Yoshida, I think I'm saying his name right, came to visit the studio to see their progress and, you know, what they had, he wasn't happy with at that time, you know? Yeah, he was straight up silently just staring at that. Yeah, he's (laughs) like, like, this this is, he's like, I'm not happy with this. And it's like, how do you, I can't imagine you know, how much passion has to be there to make that a viable job. Because you hear game developers all the time talk about how passion's the reason they're in the industry, because it's not worth it for any other reason. Because how are you going to slave over a project that is cooperative with hundreds of others for years and then have a superior show up and say, you know, I really don't like what I'm seeing here. You know, you've spent this much money, you have this much time left. The game needs to be at least this good, and I'm not happy with what I'm seeing. How do you take that, and, and you, your morale would be so low. Like, how do you go back to your desk and make that the best it can be? And I think when you you start to see these things from behind the scenes, and you know, I've talked about we've talked about Halo Two and how that development was so turbulent with like not having structure of where they were going with it, and not having time to get what they mapped out done, and having to chop off the end of it. And it's just like when these games turn out to be fantastic, like Halo 2 was or like God of War was, it's amazing. It's like it's it's only the passion. It's only the blood, sweat and tears that have made that product so good. Yeah. And I mean, it, it goes to show, too, that when that stuff turns out successful, you tend to just forget that, that these people really went through a lot yeah. just to get this product in your hands to give you that experience. I mean, we, we kind of I think once we get the game in our hands we can sometimes take that stuff for granted, you know, just the effort. Cause you know, it's there, but you just don't think of the, the gravity of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, in contrast to the raising Kratos thing, you look at halo two's development where kind of like you just mentioned before, they didn't have, they were run by a committee because Jason Jones was sort of doing his own thing, you know, and regardless of how that went, you know, that was tough for them. Like you, you have someone like, you know, Santa Monica who had, you know, a higher up come in and say, Hey, I don't like what I'm seeing. Whereas with, you know, Bungie, it's like you had them in a situation where all these people are, have all these different ideas. There's no real core leader saying, this is our sense of direction. Let's go. It's them all trying to find that way. And then showing off what they had at E3 and then coming back and realizing, like, that's not even going to be in the game. We have to pretty much almost start from scratch in a lot of ways and trying to f- make like race to a deadline and, and that sprint. And just like, you know, too, you mentioned like, you know, these people, you know, have their families and all that stuff. I remember when I watched the sprint for Halo fives and it would like, like show like Quindel Hoyo. I think some of the the first shots we see of him are like in his house, like open up the fridge and get stuff and his mm-hmm. family's there. And it's like, yeah, these people are like going to work and they're going to work on this game and stuff. And, 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 and put this in their hands. Yeah, they're real people. And I mean, you know, and that's part of the reason that, like, I even love this stuff even more is because, like, a people like I've, that I've known for a bunch of years, like Joe Staten, Marty O'Donnell, that I've seen talk about in interviews, people from 343, like Bonnie Ross and Kiki and Frank and all these others. You know, like, when you have a face that you can put to some of these people and, and you know... It helps to think about that when you're playing the game. We don't, we don't, because you're not really thinking. You know, it's not, it's not like when you eat pizza, you're thinking about the people who made it, right? Yeah. But it's, it's good to to take that in, right, and feel a bit grateful for that. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think with uh, like you mentioned how they had to prepare the game for E3, and like you're watching like the Raising Kratos documentary, and you're seeing all the nerves of you know this game's going to be shown off, this thing that you've labored yes. over for like two years. Yeah. And they show it off and, you know, thank God that it was 
super well received. You know, compare that to Halo Infinite. They finally got to show off their baby, and it was mostly criticism. Mm-hmm. It's like when we're watching the Raising Kratos documentary, you see that after such good feedback, they then had to go back to the studio and say, "Okay, we have the we have the bare bones of a game here, and we have a demo. We now have as much time or less that we had to make the demo to make the remaining thirty plus hours of this experience." And like how turbulent and hard that must be but how it's all fueled by, you know, incredible skill and passion. And, you know, so we're, we're looking at like Halo Infinite right now and how it was supposed to come out within a week and how it's delayed and and how that studio, 343, they're trying to finish and complete this game working from home in a pandemic after showing their baby off and getting widely criticized for it more than anything. Mm -hmm. And just watching these documentaries, you got Halo 2's documentary, you know, that's 16 years old now, but then Raising Kratos, that's only a couple years old. And it's the same story, really. You know, they're different games and different times, but really the same same thing is happening here. There's so much pressure and to, to just perform and deliver. And when you watch these documentaries for these games that were successes, you just... It almost makes you emotional because you can see the toil it took on people and how it was, in some sense, it was worth it. I can remember at one point in time, I think it was Marty O'Donnell. I'm almost positive. He was talking in an interview and he was saying that people got divorced during Halo 2, that people had to get rid of their pets. They had to kennel their pets for weeks at a time. They had to sleep in the office. And he's like, he said something along the lines of, I hope it was worth it. I hope Halo 2 was the game was good enough to be worth it. And of course, for many of us in the Halo community, it's either our favorite or one of our favorites. And it's like, yeah, hell yeah, it was worth it. This is why I'm a fan of Halo. I love this game. Thank you so much. But at the same time, like, is a game more important than someone's right. livelihood, than it? someone's marriage? Yeah. Like, a marriage should be more important than that. And just the sacrifice and the toll that's taken, watching Raising Kratos, I can remember a couple different times where people got emotional working on that project. I remember that one woman at the top. I don't remember her name. Yes. I liked her. She was great. She There was a couple moments where you could tell the stress on her was at a max because it's like, you know, your whole studio, which employs people to make your game, all is riding on this game. Like, God of War has to be good. It has to knock it out of the park. And when it came out and it got great scores and it, it sold copies and, like, you know, obviously the series is back at the top now. God of War is one of the most anticipated PS5 titles. You know, it's kind of crazy to think even when they went against all odds and they made that amazing game, they kind of have to jump right back into the deep end again and make the sequel to it. And if the sequel isn't good... It's the same deal. If the sequel gets bad scores yeah. or it doesn't sell well enough, then the studio is going to be in jeopardy. There's again. never it's a just, period of rest, really, is there? There's like the there little isn't. bit of vacation they kind of get, and then yeah. it's right back into the studio. And, and that kind of makes you think about like cyberpunk right now as well. You know, we we joke on the podcast about how cyberpunk's been delayed and delayed and delayed, and it's like, what are they going through there? Obviously, there's been talk of crunch, and and it's pretty much you know fact at this point that there is crunch going on there, and it's like. Yeah, you have people who are passionate about that game, and they they want to crunch to get that game done because of their passion. But you know, people's livelihoods should not be affected this horribly. Yeah, their you mental hear a lot of, over a game. You hear a lot of stories over that kind of stuff because of the the, the sort of sustained crunch that sort of comes comes through that, and and not just that in of itself, but then also just the, the era we're living in and everyone working from homes. And then, you know, uh, you look at something with them, like the optimization, you know, one of the things I keep hearing is the actual reason is because they're having a hard time kind of optimizing it for the original base Xbox ones and PS fours. And, you know, that's something like they didn't have to worry about at Santa Monica or Bungie and stuff like that. But it's, again, it's another trial and tribulation. It's that, that, ends up fostering this sort of labor of love is that you you know you have someone like cd project who is trying to release this game that was initially just going to be uh, a current gen game uh, by the time this video goes up you know into now sort of being a next gen game while also being a current gen game and kind of appealing to all these different consoles and pc and stuff like that and imagine just how much how tremendous that uh, task must be to try to launch all these and have them running and operating uh, and coincide on the same day and time so everyone can experience this, everyone that they promised it to. I mean, that is so tough, you know? It's it's uh, it's an achievement to 
every time a game gets completed, it is a massive achievement. And if it's managed to be successful on top of that, both financially and critically, uh, that's just a whole other uh, ballpark. You know, I I think about like reviewers and when they review games, I think it's so important for there to be integrity in that because, you know, the sad truth of it is you can slave over a game for five years and somebody can play it, beat it, and give you a bad review overnight and affect your success. And if your game if your game deserves a bad review, then then that's fair. But you know, you wanna I think I think ultimately what I take out of this, Josh, and I would love to hear what, what you have to take away from watching these documentaries and kind of reflecting on the behind the scenes of game development is that I in the future when I play a game that I've been looking forward to. In this instance, we're talking about Halo Infinite. It's going to be other things as well. Cyberpunk soon. I want to really, I want to make my judgments on the game itself, you know, and the quality of it, of course. I, I want to make those judgments. I want to be honest about it. If the game is not good, if it's not fun, if it's really disappointing, I want to be honest about that. But I want, I want to be respectful. I want to acknowledge that real human love and passion and stress and time went into the project and I want to, I want to, I want to have that as an underlying base to the things I say about these games publicly. Um, and I know we're talking about big AAA games here, like Halo and Cyberpunk, but think about when a game comes out. Like, I know this sounds ridiculous, guys, but think about like Cooking Mama, like the game Cooking Mama. Oh, dude, Stardew Valley was designed by one person, one person, guys. So games that seem more or less, re- they don't seem as relevant, or they're more indie. You know, they may not seem as like big of a deal, but the real people, you know, put their time and stuff into this and they, they have real feelings and, and real livelihoods. And I think in the future, when I judge a game, I'm going to be honest about it. I'm not going to I'm not going to color code or anything like that, but I don't ever want to disrespect developers. You know, and I know I know I know publishers have their own agendas with making money and, and maybe crunching people too hard and microtransactions and, you know, in certain instances, there's no excuse for that. But for those people, those developers who, you know, just like you go to work, wherever you work at, whether it's a gas station or an office, whatever you do, you go to work, you you have a job, you have a boss, and you have to follow through with that. And these people are just trying to make their livelihood. You know, I know these people are passionate, but they also have to live. It's a job, you know, so I want to respect them. And I want to going forward when I when I get a game. I want to think about those developers and what it took to go into that game. And hopefully it changes my perspective when I play it. Absolutely. I would want to look at those games going forward as something one of my friends made. You know, like something like you made. And and, and by that extension, be tactful about my feelings on it. Like, if I love it, you know, overwhelmingly, yeah, just, you know, be expressive in that. But if 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 I feel mixed or if I feel on the opposite end of, you know, the positivity and I, I'm just not really enjoying it, be tactful about it and try to think of it as these being real people, someone that I might know, you know, like, like, let's say Brian and try to find a way to navigate that because, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, what, what's one of the things that may, means being a good friend. It's, it's, you know, when your friend is maybe doing something they shouldn't be doing or when they're, you know, uh, when they're, when they're down and out, you know, you're acknowledging that stuff. You're not like hating on them. You're not being rude to them, but you're you're able to acknowledge that. Not just say like, "Hey, you're on this bad track, man. You need to get off." Or, "Hey, you know, man, like, you know, yeah, life does suck," <laughs> you know, or something like that. Like, it's good to 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 hear them and 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 try to help pick them back up or or make them aware of stuff. And but like, do it in a tactful way, right? So like, when I play these games, when I play like Halo Infinite coming out, like if there is something I don't like. I want to make sure for me personally that I'm that I'm being I'm having tactful thoughts if that makes sense. Something that's a bit more mm-hmm. constructive like okay, I don't like this but I'm sure this was put in here for a reason. Somebody really had a good concept of this and it just wasn't executed well or something, you know? Like you want to bear that kind of stuff in mind cuz I man, I know if I was working on that kind of if I was working on video games and and going through everything a lot of these people have to go through and then someone just like poo-poo's all over the part of the game that I actually am employed to work on, you know, like that would suck. It'd be a bit crushing to know that I went through all this and maybe lost a marriage or, or, you know, had to kennel my dog or whatever. 
to to hear this person. Like my reward for all this sacrifice and experience was to hear that. I don't want that. You know, that's not that's not worth it. There's there's better ways to 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 navigate that kind of discussion. Yeah, I think going forward we should be champions of developers. I I think we should really watch it when we have when we say something like you know play a game where we really disappointed well, by the yeah game. i mean we're kind of you know we all we all as people kind of dance around this stuff but when it comes to this game development stuff i mean the best simple way to put it is that you can still acknowledge that there's things that there's bad choices made in some of these games and then some of these aspects of development but you can still be nice to these people about it right yeah i mean well just think about you know when you played halo 5 and you're disappointed with the story you know you see people online that go I don't want 343 to work on this anymore. I want Microsoft to shut 343 down. I want I want them to get a new studio on it. To some level, you know, it's fair to not like a game, not like a direction. It's fair to even feel like the people handling it aren't the right ones for it. But do we actually want people to lose their jobs? Do we want people to not have livelihoods because of something we didn't like specifically? I try to keep that in mind when, when Halo Infinite comes out. Maybe there'll be some design choices I really don't care for. You know, maybe the the campaign will have something way different about it. Maybe for a lot of you out there, the multiplayer will blow up and it'll be huge, but it'll have tons of sprint and armor ability stuff that you hate. But because of it, Halo Infinite's one of the most played games on Twitch. It's one of the biggest, most successful first-person shooters of 2021. If that's what happens and it brings a lot of success and happiness to those developers... Maybe it's not all about me. Maybe it's not all about me and my experience playing that game. You know, to some extent, I play games for myself. I play games for fun. But if I'm not having fun with that game, if I'm not enjoying it, but those developers can receive high praise, can receive success despite how I feel, that's still a win. And I don't I don't think we should, um, when it comes to individual developers, when it comes to those people working at the grindstone, we shouldn't hold that against them. You know, I think... Collectively, that's that's really the end of our, our, our spiel here, guys, is that uh, we love developers. We love that they bring us so many amazing memories. Just think about your entire time as a gamer and all the memories you've made with games, whether it's you and an NPC character in the game or it's you and your friends in a multiplayer experience. I mean, just some of the best experiences of my life, and I want those people to be healthy. I want their mental health to be good. I want them to see us being respectful. I know we're never going to have that in a world with the internet where anybody can say anything, but if this video helped to change one or two minds, I think that's a win, you know, and I, I'm not, I've not always been that way either, but um, I definitely am glad that I've arrived at that point, and I think watching these documentaries, um, there's many more I can mention. The, the guys at Noclip do a great job as well. Check them out. Watch some of these documentaries and just kind of get a feel for it, you know, if we could be behind the scenes working on these games we love. You know, we would we would give it our all and we would want people to be respectful of that. And I think going forward, that's what we should do. You, you think Guys, about if yeah, I'm going to say yeah, real quick, ahead, you, you think about people who, you know, like Brian said, you know, these experiences we've had with friends or with NPCs, all these memories we created. And you think, you know, was it worth those people going through all they went through to give us that experience? And in one sense, you say yes, because these memories are so amazing, but it's not worth someone, you know, having to suffer. So. You know, it, it makes it all the more, it, the idea of, of them not having to have a better experience themselves would make for an all the more enjoyable experience as we've gotten older. Because through these documentaries, they've really gotten to teach, I know, Brian and I a lot and just done that for so many people to provide that insight that, hey, this this wasn't necessarily the most fun thing to make, but it was a passion project and a labor of love because we wanted you guys to really have a great time. And, and we want that you know, it, it, it should go both ways. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Spartan 117, with a priority one message for my brothers and sisters at 343 Industries, coming in hot from UNSC High Command, and some very loyal Spartans named Brian, Josh, and the sacred icon Halo community. They wanted me to make sure that you know that they're very proud of you and that they're thrilled with the recent Halo Infinite game reveal. In fact, the possibilities for you, for me, and for all of us are now officially infinite. Keep up the good work and finish the fight. Master Chief, out.
Well, guys, does it matter if Halo Infinite or any Halos going forward is rated M? Uh, it's a discussion that we see in the community a lot, and we're just not sure how much it matters. Um, Halo was always rated M in the beginning. Halo 1, 2, 3, 4 was rated M, and then it kind of got to this point with Halo 5, where it was rated, ten, uh, rated teen. Um, and people, rated teen, I, teen. People, people have expressed issues with it being rated teen and, and hoping that Infinite returns to an M rating. Um, and... I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I'm pretty sure it's rated, Halo Infinite is rated teen. I think it's already been rated teen. I've seen right. that. So, and some people are disappointed. Um, there's discussions on if that's because if there's no flood in the game, that's how it got a teen rating and how maybe the teen rating is only because there's no flood. Like if there was flood, it'd be rated an M. Um, so, I was just kind of wondering, Josh, what your thoughts are on, like, first of all, Looking back at Halo 1, like, why was Halo 1 rated M in your Yeah, we actually had, I think we kind of arrived at this inception on the third episode of our playcast, because I remember looking at a lot of the blood that we had, and I wasn't, I didn't notice it in the first two levels as much, but when we were on uh, Truth and Reconciliation, I was noticing it all over. We had so much blood splatter. Yeah, and, tons of blood. You know, Alien blood. As a kid, I it probably... I, I don't know if it mattered as much, but when I look back on it with rose-tinted glasses, I'm like, I loved the crap out of that. I thought it was so much fun having that. It added to the experience being able to see this battleground of, like, not only dead alien covenant that I had fought, but just the blood. And even when you get to, like, the flood and you're seeing the green goo all over the place, it's like, mm -hmm. I did that, you well, know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the things, like, the reason people touch on, like, there's probably no flood in Infinite is because... Uh, a lot of people think that a reason why the M ratings were there for the original trilogy is because of the dismemberment that came from the, mm -hmm. the flood mm -hmm. and the horrific images of the flood. So, but the thing is, I feel like time has changed a lot now since you know 2001 with what passes for M rated and what doesn't. So I think just just because it's rated teen doesn't mean we couldn't have flood in there. And also, we don't know how the flood would be incorporated. Maybe the flood are going to look different, oh, act that's true. different. I mean, so much has and, changed in the industry since then. I think I think it's one of those things that, you know, there's probably a way to do it. I don't know how the ESRB stuff gets determined in terms of, like, how, you know, they do that when designing a game. If You know, I'm sure they obviously have a goal for that kind of thing that they want to hit. But, you know, who knows to say if, like, afterward, if, if it becomes, if ESRB comes back and they're like, this is an M game. And they're like, oh, crap, we got to tone down something. Who knows if it's actually like that. But... I would imagine in today's times, I mean, they could still do something like that with the flood. Still, if they wanted to, if it's in there, and still make it cool, you know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but did we or did we not get some a little bit, little bits of blood and stuff like that in the other Halo games? Yeah. So, I mean, as while you're watching this video, this is like different footage that I took of going through the different games and like seeing what the violence looked like in the blood and whatnot. Um, eventually, you'll get to a point where. Um, you know, I played one. I played Halo One. I always think of Halo One having the most blood, and it definitely does. But I get to Halo Two, and Halo Two still has quite a bit of alien blood. It looks, uh, it looks similar to the blood in Halo One, just toned down a bit. And I think it makes sense that they toned it down a bit from One because it was insane in One. Oh, it was. Like, it looked like that it, one image you took on Twitter. It looked like we just graffitied an entire. It looked level. like graffiti and bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, it looked like that everywhere. Um, so in Halo Two, like, and I even like, I'm I'm meleeing some some Marines and shooting. I was just gonna Marines say, I associate things. actual like regular blood in that yeah. game more than I do actual Alien Covenant blood. <laughs> yeah, so doing that so much. So there's 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 definitely a, a fair amount of blood in Halo Two as well, and then you get to Halo Three, and there's also uh, a fair amount of blood. But and then I even went to Reach, and it's still like you still get the same kind of blood you'd expect, except obviously one was the heaviest, and I think. So as I went through these games and I'm going through Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, I'm starting to think, okay, maybe people are making a big deal about this blood. It's not really a thing. Well, then I get to Halo 4 and 5, and the blood is significantly toned down in Halo 4 and 5. And Halo 4 is rated M. Uh, but then again, Halo 4 has, like, uh, a bunch of humans being composed down to their skeletons. So That was pretty brutal. Flesh burning. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, but uh, I saw that, I was like, what just happened? It took. I think it took everyone a moment, but it definitely took me, of like, a few moments to process and pick my job off the floor. I was like, they're, they're dead. Oh, they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're definitely yeah. they're dead, dead. So, I mean, I think the with, with 343's game, the blood got toned down. I don't know for so much if it was, like, intentional, because, like I said, Halo 4 still rated M anyways, but I feel like maybe they just put less effort into making it more showy, like less blood spurts out. And then Halo 5, 
you shoot at enemies after they're dead, and like sometimes blood doesn't even come out at all. So I, I do think there's a level of like it, it helps immerse me, and it, it, it makes the world better when there is blood. So I definitely want that. We can say yeah. Just, no, I was gonna agree. Let me ask you though, Brian. Do you feel like now that we've been you we become used to what how four and five have done it? Do you feel like if if infinite, you know, despite what we've already seen, do you feel like if they do have a lot of blood? If it kind of harkens back to CE, do you feel like you know that the narrative might shift to oh, there's too much blood, or this feels too excessive? Uh, if it had just as much blood as CE, I definitely think that it would, would be shift the case that because it was just ridiculous in CE. It was like a lot of things. I don't know about ridiculous. Just, I, mean, I love, it. I love it, but it's kind of almost cartoonish how much. Blood I know that's. I think that's what I loved about it. I, I guess I can't disagree with you. I, yeah. I really, I loved how cartoony it was in that sense. Blood was just everywhere. I mean, you had so much blue and purple, and then you'd have like the orange. From the uh, the hunters, hunters thank like a, you. Like a Golo or Harvey's. Yes, name. yes. Uh, yeah. I definitely can't pronounce uh, that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was so much I, fun. Yeah, I think that uh, they need to go back to. I mean, it falls right in line with everything they're doing with Halo Infinite. But I think they need to just go back to kind of Halo 3's level of blood. Which, if you go back and you look at Halo Three, there's plenty of blood there. It's it's noticeable. You can see it. It's colorful, but it's not Halo One well, levels. You of know that, what I think so. about? You remember the scene in 343 Guilty Spark and CE when you're like still. Before you've gotten the chip from Jenkins' helmet put in, and I think I think it's before at least, and you see one room that looks like it's sort of like barricaded in, yeah. And it's there's like blood, blood everywhere. everywhere. Now at the time for me, that actually added to the atmosphere, yep. you know. And not having that kind of makes me miss out on the sort of I guess horror aspect. Now to be fair, you know, it's not a knock on three four three because we haven't had the flood in Halo 4 and 5. They weren't yep. there. So, you know, you're not missing that. There wasn't a horror element that was there that somehow was tainted because it didn't have the blood as much. But, I mean, if they were to do something like that, and even if they don't, like, there's just so much mystery that is set up in that moment because you're fighting the Covenant and you're wondering as you progress to the level more and more, like, what the heck is happening? Like, it doesn't seem like this This is the UNSC. This, You know, is there what is going on? And you're trying to put it together, and that really added to the overall atmosphere. And I think... I don't think the other games are lesser games for it, but I think it, it definitely added to the tension that was going on. No, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because I definitely feel like that stuff can be used to build a really cool atmosphere. Because yeah. like if I'm playing if I'm playing Halo Infinite and I discover like a cave or an underground section and I go down there and there's like marine entrails hanging by the through the walls and blood everywhere, I'm like, what the heck happened here? And like that environment can tell a story and definitely yeah, put my, exactly. it's my like, head in a certain space. It's like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're the dungeon master and you're telling your players, you know, you say you walk into this room and you see tables and chairs and uh, everything looks like it's, you know, was just touched a little bit ago and it looks fine. Well, there's not as much excitement there. Not saying you don't have to do that, but then you could say, as you walk in, you notice Everything seems to be normal. However, off to the left, the doors creak just a bit with a blood trail yeah. that you happen to notice on the ground. And that right there creates this a mystery and incentive. Players are like very curious and they want to know what that is and discover that. They're, if you, you put that out there, they're going to want to pick up on it. And I think in ha Combat Evolved, I mean, that was what it did for me. Like you said perfectly, it kind of creates its own narrative without actually telling you anything. Yep. Yeah, the environment tells you a story. Um, well, okay, so we kind of touched on, touched on blood. But then, like, what about cussing and, and swear words as far as, like, changing the M rating? I mean, as far as I'm concerned in Halo, like, we've, we've heard things like, you know, a damn here or give them hell or I think even I think even bitch may have been uttered once or okay. twice here and there. But ultimately, it's not really heavy on the language. Wouldn't you agree, Josh? I, oh, there's I never been agree. an I was going to say, I don't think. Now, if I could choose one or the other, I would choose the blood uh, over the language. Oh, because honestly, sure. I think when I think of, yeah. like, language... Halo 2 didn't really have that as much, had the tiny bit, but yeah. it was more the banter and the goofy humor and how they navigated around that with their dialogue, I think, what yeah. is what made it great. You know, I think that's what I really liked about it. I would, I think, I think honestly, if you had the swearing in there, it would kind of lessen the sort of soft humor that's padded throughout those yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, funny humor, like, you know, uh, Sergeant Johnson going like, tell the government, I don't give a damn, you know, it's like, that's funny. Yeah. That's cool. I like that, you know, but like. I mean, there's never been F-bombs or anything like that. There's never been horrible words. So I feel like at this point in the conversation, we're very much like, okay, we would like some blood that enhances the game. It, it, it helps the game. But the cussing, you know, can take it or leave it. It's kind of been I there think, less a little bit anyway. I think, too, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I think with with Halo 5, I mean, in Halo 4 to an extent, I think people don't enjoy fighting um, the Prometheans as much, you know? 
And yeah. I mean, regardless of how you feel about them in the lore, whether you love them or whether you don't, I think people just they don't feel as fun to fight. You know, it's like the Covenant, for example, or the Flood in some ways. And I, I know people might choose, you know, the, the Prometheans over the Flood. I understand that. But my point is, is that I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't feel organic. And you don't feel like yeah. you're actually killing something that has a personality and, and life to it. You know, because in, in the games, that feels that feels fun. You know, like when they kill you, you know, it's like, oh, you know. So, I mean, when you, in the blood kind of serves as that example of like, when you see the blood come out of a grunt. You're like, man, I just drained this thing of all life. I just yeah, squeezed right. it like a damn like a grape or something like that. I just squished yeah. it of all its its life. And I think that's very evocative of that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the language, I don't know. I don't need that with the Marines as much. Because it. I think for me, part of the fun of Halo is that it's not real. And in my head, I like to think this does happen in the future. But it's it's like Combat Evolved in 2 and, and 3. And I mean, and I love 4 and 5. But I think what I loved about the earlier stuff, too, was that it... it it had a sense of uh, not taking itself seriously while still having those moments that really does. It hits those highs, but it doesn't rely on it. And you have the humor to balance it out. And I think if you add in swearing, it makes it feel a little bit too much serious. Like, even though the whole eggheads thing that I think Palmer says in 4 yeah. that people don't like, I still prefer that over some other, you know, crass nickname, you know, because it's just... Yeah. It doesn't really fit Halo. It doesn't really fit it. No, and it, 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 it kind of takes away the charm of it, I think. It's not to say yeah, you crazy. can't have that stuff. What's crazy to think about, Josh, is I actually went to a church for a while where the, the game they let kids play at Sunday school was Halo 3. And I'm just like, you know, like, on one hand, it's not very bad, so I get it. But it's like, it just seems weird to have Halo 3 be a it's game. It's weird when you think about it back then. Yeah. It, yeah. it is strange to think about. Was that, that was teen? Correct. Uh, Halo 3, no, that was M. That was M? All okay. Halo games have been M up till Halo 5. Halo 5 oh, was okay, 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 so, I gotcha. Um, got but uh, yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said for the blood. I, I don't think the, the cussing's issue as much. Here's something interesting to think about that I feel like doesn't get talked about in Halo much at all, unless they're referring to a scene in Contact Harvest, but sex in Halo. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I don't, or, or sensu, sensuality or anything Intimacy. like that, like, it doesn't seem to fit Halo for me at all, personally. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe something could be done tastefully, but like, I don't think we have to worry about that. Here's, I, here's I the one thing Halo I can say that. to that. I understand where you're coming from. It does seem weird to think about, considering all we've come accustomed to with the Halo games, to think of yeah. that being in there. However, I think that falls into the category of if we don't allow ourselves to be open about these new possibilities and how they could do these things and tackle these, then we continue to only limit ourselves by enjoying what's you know, been done in the past. I just had a really, I mean, I think it's really cool. I just had an idea of like us getting like uh, this scene of where like this, this passionate, clean scene, not a, you know, not a bad, not a disturbing one, not a, a very unchildproof one, but just the scene of like the, the pilot with his with his uh, wife and they're kind of in the kitchen and then they start like kind of like holding each other and then maybe they go to the bedroom and they just get on the you know they they get on the bed and they're kissing or whatever and it fades out and like it's the pilot it's the implication more his, you're saying yeah it's like the pilot is like looking at a picture of his family and reminiscing about like his wife and he wants to get home and like that could have some real emotion oh, there's definitely ways like, you can pull. do that without like you don't have to go the sort of mass effect or dragon age route of kind of like showing some stuff i don't think like i don't think you have to do that i think you can and do it tastefully because i think those games have done it tastefully in some ways but uh I, I i think you can do something like you said too and sort of have the implication i mean in a lot of ways that's kind of what mass effect does but mass effect shows a little bit more nudity but it does have the implication there that uh, an act of intimacy was committed and i think you, like you said you can still have the affection i mean intimacy is supposed to be very affectionate and you can have that um and things just like you know holding hands and stuff like that like you, you think yeah. about all the war that's going on in halo we don't get to see a lot of people just being happy because people are just it can, and it going can help battle identify to battle with the pilot more you know well, like, that's what i'm saying i think you can have a lot of it could bring that. a sense of humanity that uh i think i think you know they they want to have there they want us to feel as gamers but i think if you you kind of bring that to the table i think that'll really help add that sense of death for us and make it real you know like yeah. the sort of like give us a reason. I mean, even if it's a flashback sequence, it would be cool to just see him, like you said, have this moment and then have it snap back to him just looking at this image of her, this visage. And we don't know if she's dead or not, but you now maybe don't necessarily care about this character, but you have a reason as as, you know, Brohammer, as Oscar Meyer to care 
about this person getting back to his family because he cares about that character. You might not, but he does. And then if you care as him because you you identify with what that's like to have that for somebody, then you're going to care and, and you're going to want to progress through that story. What if you what if you see um, Craig kissing Eshram? I think that could be very important to the series overall. I think it could really add a lot of of strong value to what's going on. I think that could really change up how we see the brute hierarchy, the brute dynamics between everyone. Wow. I love how serious I love how seriously you took that, Josh. Uh, picture like the final boss battle of Halo Infinite is like um, just like uh, hey. Craig and Ashram doing like they're dancing together, but their dances are like attack moves, and you have to like oh like a dance off. Dude? And, oh damn, I'd be all yeah, over that. Oh, like oh, and Master Chief like starts break dancing and stuff, and he's like, oh, you guys haven't seen the moves I got off of Installation 04. You know? <laughs> I picked these up from the ODSTs. Next, I broke. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the ankles I broke. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that'd be hilarious if, like, uh, he just, <laughs> Craig just kisses Eshram and, like, that saves the day. They were saved by love. Yeah, and and Eshram's like, love. you know what? I've seen the error of my ways. You know, I, I'm reaching my older years. He's like, I, I don't want to go down in a blaze of glory. I want to go down in a blaze of fire of love. Like, like in a repeat of, like, people are irritated by, like, the didact battle at the end of Halo 4 because it's a quick time event. Like, your master chief like sitting on the sidelines and they want to kiss and like you have to press the left and right triggers to make chief clap for them to kiss. <laughs> you see the, the hands come up, the weapons drop yep. and the hands just come yep. up and it's like the slow. Yep. <laughs> yep. Game over. Game over. And then chief pulls off his helmet and like a single tear rolls down his face. <laughs> you know, beautiful. That's the legendary. But that's yeah, the that's the legendary <laughs> ending, the tear ending. Uh, but Josh, to sum it up, yeah. uh, for you. If Halo Infinite's rated teen, which I think it's already confirmed to be, uh, I guess I should have verified that beforehand, but if Halo Infinite's rated teen, does that concern you at all? Do you care? And, like, what do you still hope to see? No, I understand them trying to do that if, if they're trying to reach accessibility in terms of, like, already confirming multiplayer is going to be free, uh, trying to have it on both consoles as well as PC. I think in every way, like I said, in every way this game is trying to go with the approach of we want everyone. We want to make it hard for people to not be able to play this, to say no to be playing this because yeah. it's so accessible to everybody. So I think that kind of falls into that category. Uh, it doesn't really bother me. I think because I'm used to what we've gotten in Halo 4 and 5, I would like to see that down the road, though, whether it's in DLC or a future game, even if it takes 10, 20 years. I would still love to be able to see Blood Return in the same way. I understand it's, you know, in 2020, things don't look as cartoony as they did in 2001, but I would still, if there's a way they can balance that, I would absolutely love that, and I would prefer that, sure. But I'm not going to be uh, upset if they don't. Yeah, as far as the as far as far the stuff with, like, intimacy or swearing goes, I don't really care about that stuff. Take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to see blood be a little bit more prominent than it was in Halo 4 and 5. It doesn't have to be the extreme yeah, of I'd one, agree with but, like, that. If I could at least, if I could make a decision, I guess, if I could make, if I could pick something, I would say I'd... I'd want it to at least be a little bit more there instead of... Yeah. Instead. I mean, I think it'd be cool if, like, if I just took down a brute, I could see its corpse laying on the ground and see, like, some blood coming off its face. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Just to absolutely. show that... Uh, Especially if you melee it. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because Craig didn't have no blood in his face in the, in the oh. demo, so... Um, but, yeah, ultimately, guys, I mean, Craig personally, I think right. for me and Josh, the, the teen rating doesn't really matter as much. I, I think, you know... The story with Halo Five had many issues, but it wasn't that it wasn't violent enough. Or hey, as long as the story enough. is enjoyable uh, and, and the gameplay makes it fun and it makes us want to get to those next story beats, you know that we that we reach, then that's what matters to me. Uh, I think that's what matters to Brian too. Ultimately, like yeah. we have those little like nitpick things. I guess we could we can sift through, but honestly, like that's that's why I'm, I, I want to play the campaign. That's why also, I want to play. Also, this this game's going to be free to play, and like the biggest game in the world right now is Fortnite. And like kids, I know that kids largely are playing things that they maybe shouldn't be, anyways. But well, like we sure you know, did. <laughs> we but like yeah, but like you know, does it need do we need to have any hard M rated stuff when they want to appeal to that audience? I mean, I don't I don't think Halo really suffers. Like even with Halo Four and Five, with there being less blood, I don't really think it suffered at all. I just think I'd prefer some more. Yeah, I understand so. completely. I completely agree with that. We're been listening? I count three anti-aircraft cannons. Three what? You'll be safe here. <gasps> I'll be safe. <laughs> safe? I haven't been safe since I found you. I found you, remember? You were out there on your own and you'd still be out there if it wasn't for me. I thought I was going home. There won't be a home if we don't stop the banished. You keep saying that. We're outgunned, outnumbered. I know I saw condors over there. I'm going to dig through them and find one with the working sleep space drive. And when you're done with this war, we'll get away from here. Far away. Wait here. 
Well, as you guys know, most games have winter levels in them, and Halo is no different. We all have levels from Halo that we really enjoy, but specifically on this episode, we're going to talk about which levels we enjoy that take place in a winter setting, a snowy setting the most. Josh, what is your favorite mission in Halo, all of Halo games, that has a winter setting? Like campaign specifically? Yeah, uh, campaign specifically. Probably, I'm going to have to go with this all on the control room. That's mine too, Assault yeah. in the Control Room. It's kind of hard to top that one. It really is. I mean, the first time I got to that, it was so much fun because, it, like, I, I mean, it's part of the reason I, I love Combat Evolved so much, but it had so much different terrain, had so much different, like, yeah. uh, aesthetics going for it. And I didn't expect to get to a snow level, like, you know, because you're just playing on this sunny beachfront, you know, and you're going through this, you know, the night levels, you're going, you're on a ship, and you're, you're just going all around, and then suddenly you're on this snowy terrain. And there's wraiths and everything, and just yeah. the way it kind of like made it was got so open, and it was just it helps that it's a big open area, and that makes it feel so much more like wintry, blizzardy, Christmassy. Yes, you know what I yeah, mean? it's a fun. It'd be a fun level to play around Christmas time. Like if you were gonna make that, uh, like a little playlist of that, it definitely. Oh be. yeah, for sure. That's if they did a Christmas playlist for MCC, that needs to be in there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they really benefited themselves by making the Halo rings what they are because. Because of like what we know lore-wise about Halo rings, they can have all these different uh, climates and different things going on. So if you if you think about it, when you finish the Sonic Cartographer, which takes place on a beach, you go underground into the ring, and when you come out on the other side, you are now in a winter area, which yes. is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd have to agree. Assault uh, in the Control Room is my favorite by far. It's just got everything. It's got good on f- on foot sections. It's got good vehicle sections yep. it's just really cool it's There's all lots around of, super fun i think to it's play the on. first it's the first in uh incarnation of winter in halo period isn't it i think it is yeah yeah i would say so yeah uh for sure what one i gotta just completely off off top off the top of my head what about containment in halo 2 that's the multiplayer map too. that's one of oh the oh the winter mission yep. yeah which kind of got like those stalactites or stalagmites yes. whatever we don't know how to say them yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's one of the things about Halo Two that I didn't really realize is when I was making this video initially, I was trying to capture footage from each game that had winter environments, and I thought, oh wait, Halo Two doesn't have any. I guess the only place that Halo Two has it is containment. But then I realized uh, when we were doing our podcast earlier this week, you mentioned the Mission Quarantine Zone yep. has 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 winter. Yeah. So as you guys will be seeing right now, hopefully I've put in footage of uh, of Quarantine Zone because that's that's one place that has a, a winter mission there. And I think don't die, Brian. Now, now yeah, right. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, I'm pretty sure that Containment, the 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 winter multiplayer map, actually takes place around Quarantine Zone. I think the I same think background well. image is there. Yeah. Yep. So that's really kind of cool how we managed to have. Uh, we managed to have snow in pretty much every Halo. It wasn't in four at all. I don't uh, wrong actually. In, in the multiplayer map Longbow. Okay, well, but was, I meant the campaign. Oh my, okay. my mistake. Yes, but, uh, but they did have that. That was a uh, that was one of my favorites actually. That's one of my favorite maps in Halo Four. Is actually that one. I think that might have been one of where I had one of my first matches, and it was fun. Mm. It was fun as heck. A lot of vehicle uh, anarchy going on there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good um, multiplayer missions as well, or multiplayer maps, I should say, that take place in winter. I think one of my favorite things I've seen winter-wise for multiplayer maps is in Halo Two Anniversary. Where you have the uh, lock lockout takes place in the winter, yep. and you can like knock the iceberg down yes. to open up. Can we that talk spot? about lockout because man, that's like how can you not talk about that one now? And, and yeah, same with it's a counterpart lockdown from Halo Two Anniversary, which still had that same kind of flow. Yeah, like dude, that one's so much fun. It's such an isolated map, but you still have this winter vibe going on. And again, whether there's stalactites or stalagmites, <laughs> what what is this? I always forget. Stalagmites. 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 I stalagmite. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. But you can shoot them down in Halo 2 Anniversary, and that's so cool on VR Tower and Snipe Tower, I think it is. So, yeah, yeah I mean. so much fun. Like, it's just, it, it has a, a nice new new feeling to it, and it really feels themed to the level itself. I like that. I mean, because if you think about it, like, I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think in lore too much that there's a lot of time spent on uh, winter terrain, you know, but yet we still experience that at times. Like, it's yeah. never like a focal point, but it's just something yeah. we hit upon. Like, what? go ahead. It's kind of cool that like Halo 3 ends with a with a winter mission. Like, the only winter mission in Halo 3 is the final level of Halo 3. Where well, I was going to say, isn't 
is that the Covenant? No, the Covenant. Because the Covenant, remember when you're fighting the two scarabs? Isn't that I snowing? guess there's snow there too, yeah, isn't it? But yeah. it starts off just very green. It does, flush, it right? does, but it's like a transition. See, see, guys, we're finding out as we as we play this through more how much winter has been in, in places in missions and, and different Halo games that we didn't even yeah. realize. Um, now you're going to tell me that there's winter in Halo Force campaign, which I really don't yeah, think there is. I don't is. remember that being. Um, but yeah, Halo yeah, 3 right. ends with um, with a winter mission, and you kind of got that uh, that section you can go back into off the right side where you can find the terminal and mm-hmm. kind of harkens back to the first Halo game. And then you have Reach, which has a mission called the Winter Contingency, mm-hmm. where you kind of have like ice caps and, and things like that. And um, and then Halo 5, of course, has Kamchata, which is the first mission yes. of the game, uh, where that takes place in winter. And then Halo 5 also ends with you playing as Team Osiris and there being a winter mission there. It's the, the mission where you're trying to free Chief and Blue Team from the Cryptum. There's a, there's a bunch of wintry outside environments there. So It's like yeah, Halo 5 something... Guardians is like low-key a Christmas game. Like like Die Hard is low-key a Christmas oh, man, movie. That's a, that's a sad <laughs> Christmas, boy. That's not a Christmas I want to relive. That's the Christmas where you uh, said... I don't care. All I want for Christmas this year is a guitar. And then they're like, "Well, if if you get if you want a guitar, like we're not gonna be able to afford that. You can't get anything else. Like I'd rather have nothing than <laughs> Christmas. You get nothing. That's a Halo. You know, uh, uh, another one multiplayer wise, uh, uh, Snowbound from Halo Three. Oh, I Snowbound, love Snowbound. Such a fun what map. A classic. Yeah, dude. I, I I can't remember, but I think a lot of people in the community are kind of mixed on that at times. But I feel like the legacy of Halo 3 has really gone to show that people do love that map. But I think, I think at first people it. didn't like it. I love that one so much. Like, there's such a nice dynamic of if you're outside, there's all the snow, but then you can go into the bases and there's that little area in between yeah. where there's these little, it, it's, you know, there's just ammo and weapons to pick up and, and stuff like that. And it's, that's such a fun map. And even when you try to go out of bounds, because you could see out there, they're like, killed yep. by the Guardians. But it's just like, oh, where I remember, I? yeah, I remember when Halo 5 was first coming out, they're like, you, you remember being killed by the Guardians in multiplayer maps. Well, now you're going to get to discover in Halo 5 Guardians who the Guardians really are. And it's like, well, that legacy didn't live up as well as, it, yeah. <laughs> as you'd hoped. But uh, the Guardians look cool to me anyways in, in Halo 5. Absolutely. Um, There's also Sidewinder from Combat Evolved, that big map. Remember mm-hmm. Sidewinder? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sidewinder's a lot of that fun. One, Isn't it only on PC? Uh, well, it's in no, NXC No, I'm now, thinking of a different I mean, one. I'm thinking of Beaver, or not Beaver Creek. Um, I think I know which. The Hinterlands. Yes. I'm thinking of the Hinterlands. Yes. Yeah. But, um... Man, it also makes me think of Dragon Age Inquisition. Anyway, uh, Sidewinder is a map I really, really love. Uh, that's a fun sniper's map. Back in the day, before I had uh, multi, like four MCC, you know, was playable, um, and I would play that at friends' houses. We would sometimes do that, and it was so excruciatingly like daunting doing like a two v two, two v two on two v two on that map with snipers because it's just like they yeah. could be anywhere. You have the side yeah. passageways, then you have that long open stretch. I mean, yeah, it was so much fun. And also, too, like something we haven't talked uh, about, too, is like when you're on a Warthog, it, it definitely it traverses differently based on the ice oh, and yeah. stuff like Slides that. Oh, yeah. Slides around. Yeah. It's also, really was cool. it, I, I think Halo 3 was the first, was Halo 3 the first game to have in like one of the multiplayer maps a Warthog with a snow skin? Like it had like a snowy skin. I could be inside. wrong. I was going to say, uh, uh, well, I don't I don't think so, but I remember there was Avalanche from Halo 3, which was also in Yeah, I think Warthog in that, that mission one? had like a okay, snow look. You might yeah, be right. Yeah. Because sure. that what'd you think of that map? Oh, I like that map a lot. It came late. It was one of the later map packs think it was. in Halo 3, but it was a ton of fun. It was really cool seeing people mod that on PC where you can see the, the freaking scarab in that mission. Yeah. It's terrible. You know what I love is how there's that man cannon and you just, you're driving through the snow and everything and you're kicking up all the snow and you get to that sort of man cannon with the warthog. You go up there with a friend like in a CTF match and then you can just boom, crash down on right where that flag is. Yeah. And you can either pick it up or you can like turn it in or whatever. Like I've done that so many times. It's it, that map is so much fun, and it's a lot. Now, more fun dude, because it's winter. Ride. The thing I wanted to carry this this into from you know I was talking about the things we love about winter and Halo is what are some cool ways we could see winter used in Halo Infinite? And I already had a, a couple ideas for myself here. I was thinking, wouldn't it be really cool if we went to a section of the ring in Halo Infinite where like the snow was really high? And grunts popped up out of the snow, like they're they're down there, <laughs> like elves maybe on like, Christmas. Like, like yeah, they're there. Maybe they pop out with the plasma grenade and blow you to smithereens. Oh, wouldn't or, that be or, great if it was like, let's say you get to a big path in front of you, and it's all snow, and there's a base at the end, and you know that you have from where you're at, you know, you have the A and B kind of destination, right? Yeah. But you can't, like you said, the snows are real high, 
And it's almost like a minefield because the closer you walk, suddenly you see a, a, this illuminating light that's actually a plasma grenade that a grunt's like igniting. Go right off, you know, because he hears you walking and trudging along closer. And then you're like, oh, shit. And you have to jump out of the way. Oh, how or, Josh, how, how hard would you laugh if you're like you're walking down like this big open area full of snow and you just see two brutes and you're like, oh, this will be nothing at all. But as you get closer, the brutes reach their hands down on the snow and yeet grunts right at you with plasma <laughs> grenades. Just pull them right out of the snow. I don't know. What if you what if you were able let's just say hypothetically ground pounding still a thing and you're able to ground pound the ice and shit like that. Like that could be really good. It could cool. be something like that. I feel like ground pounding is probably not in any I don't think but it's, it's gonna possible. be either, but it's possible. Like remember uh remember ice fields from Combat Evolved? Remember that I one? Remember I think that. that was one of the PC ones they had. But that was one of the ones where I first remember like getting for some reason I remember getting hit with a warthog, just bumped and I would fall down. So yeah. what if that that just makes me think like what if you had, in, in terms of how difficult... That should be a skull in Infinite. Right. You can bump people to Warhog in the Yeah, but wouldn't it be great if, like, you know, you're, you're trying to navigate, like, icy terrain and maybe some of the ice can crack and stuff like that? Like, that yeah. would just be... That would be a cool mechanic. Yeah, that That'd be would... something very cool to add to Infinite. Yeah. One other thing I was going to say for Infinite I would like is that I would like it if when we're in a section of the ring that's set in the winter, mm-hmm. that brutes have winter gear. And they kind of have, like, frosted shoulders and, like... You know, kind of like something you'd see from like a like a Destiny concept art, where you yeah. see like a the characters it's all have winter snow apparel. On. Everyone looks like Roland. Everyone's dressed for the winter. No, that's a whole lot of <laughs> me, dog. I don't want no, none of that, Roland. What if Roland's a real person? He's actually just a hologram. That'd be awful. <laughs> Always like the Wizard of Oz, and you come to find out the twist later. He's been the villain behind everything. Uh, I can believe Roland that. It's not hard for me to believe at all. That's easy for me to believe. <laughs> you know, it's another. Also, I'd like to. You know, we've seen like with the new, like uh, we talked about Jaga, the the new um, elite. That it's like kind of cybernetic. Jenga. Yeah, did Josh calls Jenga, knock him over, and uh, you know maybe we could see some elites have some kind of special apparatus because of it being winter time there. Like Absolutely. you know, they have an arm that's like a shovel, they shovel the driveway. Yeah, you know something like that. You know something I wouldn't want is like. Something like you could get if you're out there too long or something like that. You can get frostbite or something like that. Like even if you if, no, if it's no, another you're, ODST, you're in a, like I you're in a uh, I'm saying you're in a Mark Mjolnir suit. That's not I was good. gonna say, well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like if you're playing as an ODST or something, because I could see people maybe wanting that, but then I think, no, nah, that's a little too much. Like some of the fun of these winter levels for me is being able to just run around, take in that there's snow, seeing my footprints in the snow, seeing the warthog or vehicles just slide and glide. And just take that into account. Like, remember on it might be two betrayals. No, no, it is assault on the control room. But because uh, two betrayals is another one. But um, assault on the control room. Like when I'm in the ghost, and that thing, I could be wrong, but I swear it glides so much more, and I end up dying oh. trying to take out those rays oh, sure. all the time. Yeah, and there's no boost on the ghost in Halo. Yeah. War, so. so I just oh, it's so it's it adds a different type of a uh, dynamic, and I think I would love to see that. Even if they, dude, if they could let you like in multiplayer, like pick up snowballs and have snowball fights, that'd be hilarious. Like treat it like that grenades. Could be, that'd be like a. It'd be like, be like something sticks. you do in Forge. Yeah, exactly. Like it. it they like should add snowmobiles. 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 Ooh. They could, they could, like uh, they could call it like instead of the warthog, it'd be like the polar bear or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hey, you got the elephant. Why not give us you the polar see bear? Polar bear. Yeah, I love that. Oh man, Let's I would it. I would buy that mega constructs in a heartbeat. Man, guys, we have so many ideas for different things that could be done with winter and halo infinite and as you've seen halo has a long history of winter in its levels both its missions in campaign and its multiplayer modes but we would love to hear what you guys would like to see as far as new winter uh styled campaign missions or new multiplayer maps for halo infinite so if you'd want to do that leave a comment below hit the like hit subscribe and if you guys like this content just let us know we'll keep on doing it we'll keep on bringing you on, maybe we'll do a spring on, episode on, maybe we'll do a, a fall episode i don't know Ooh. but hit that like subscribe thank you so much guys keep it sacred